0: Robin Smith game scene. Episode 4. Emotions. You might not realize it but there is not one game that has been made that doesn't create feelings in those who played it. A game unlike a film does not need to have a story to make us feel something. In fact some of the best games at creating emotions in us are devoid of story at all. That's not to say a game need have no narrative just because it has no story. But let's leave narrative and story for a future episode. Even a simple multiplayer match of Halo 3 will bring joy, elation or disappointment, anger what I want to look at is the times games attempt to make us feel something specific. What games do the best job of creating actual emotion? And just how far games should be going to make us feel more than we expect.
1: Well, my name is Paul Rooney, and um, I'm a staff writer for Ready Up. That's Ready-Up.net, which is a a video game based uh, blog. Like Child of Eden, mm-hmm. you know that can that can once you're immersed, it can draw you into that world. And once once a a, a work of art or anything has done that, once it, it's commanded your attention the the player's attention. Um, basically, I see it as being you're in the the creator's hands. You know, they can then do with you what they will. I think I think a good video game has to do that, and I think that they're, they're, they're incredibly capable of it. You know, they have the the intellectual. You know, art is intellectual, music is emotional. You know, as I said, they have a a convergence of those two. So. That I think being in that position opens up the the player to exceptionally, it makes them more susceptible to uh, express them, expression, and emotions, etc. For me, my favourite ever game is Silent Hill Two, and I don't think any game that I have certainly played, apart from Dark Souls and Demon Souls, have have come close to that. You Were know, very very deep but a complex range of emotions and um, you, you can't just nail it down as being a love story or, or you know or a sense of loss in that game they are incredibly conflicted confused and really twisted individuals you know you're, you're not told expressly what they're feeling but you're, you get a gist of quite a lot of different things going on in their brains you know and then um, I like that kind of sense of uncertainty, that complexity, that depth of emotion. But I think your question was, do they do it? No, I just have to say that Silent Hill 2 perhaps is the exception that proves the rule. Um, certainly from my experience in the games that I've played, the majority of games don't come anywhere near that. It seems to be very, very surface level, very shallow gratification. But nothing ever that has left me uh, reeling, you know, contemplating it afterwards. Not really, no.
0: There are plenty of games that dare to stray from predefined formats, doing something new, unexpected, or original. Often these games bring with them innate abilities to tap into emotional recesses we don't expect. Does this revelation of emotional reaction come because we are being confronted by something unexpected in an unexpected way? Or is it because we see something different and allow for a mental gate to open? More importantly, importantly, is the emotional response a goal of the creators or a byproduct of the game? That's wholly unintended. While I do not personally wish for all games to be aiming at my heartstrings or rage centres, I do hope that more developers buck the trend and aim to affect on a deeper level.
2: Uh, my name is Sophia Tong, and I'm a managing editor at GamesRadar. Video games is interesting because it's interactive on top of all that. You are combining, like, acting, because you have voice actors in games now. You're combining visuals, you know, CG visuals, things that you'll see in a movie. And if you look at games like Heavy Rain, it's almost like watching an interactive movie. So it's like it's all those mediums combined into one, which I think is fantastic. And you have all these talented people working on it. So I think it should be comparable to, you know, the media, like all the stuff that we're used to. And I'm still kind of surprised that it hasn't been acknowledged yet because, you know, video games have come a long way. It's like, I wonder if the people who, you know, don't, con- really, don't really consider it some kind of um, entertainment medium. It's like, are, have you played a game lately? It's, hmm. I mean, everyone must have played a game at some point. I, video games has reached a point. Actually, it reached a point. Um, I feel like it even reached a point back in the Super Nintendo days. I mean, I think I cried over a Super Nintendo game before, and those are real emotions. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I mean, there are some games that are purposely all about emotion, like emotion, like a, the example Journey, like it's all about the experience and like your feelings. And I think that's what that game company is trying to do with all their games. It's about tapping those emotions that are otherwise untapped when you play like a shooter or something. So yes, I do believe that games can elicit real emotion. Um at this stage, no, I don't think games have tapped too deeply in terms of like the other spectrum. Um, I know that there are some that want to tap like the happiness and some wanna tap the competitive, like angry side of you or frustration or that you know, whatever that energy it is that you need to play a violent game. But like in terms like you mentioned like some examples like jealousy and greed Um, I can't think of an example, but the last example that I can think of that did tap into, you know, themes like, you know, loss and grief. So To the Moon, this indie game on the PC. Mm -hmm. I think it touched on topics where you really, you really think about your own life once you're done with the game. And those are the kind of, the games that I love because it means that it's touched you in a way where it's affected like how you perceive life and how you look at you know the people around you and immediately once I finished playing that game I really wanted other people to check it out because it's like it's not only a fantastic story it's got great music and the visuals are so you know cute and simple like it it works perfectly but it's the content it's like a lot of people don't Like a lot of the mainstream games you see today, it's like a lot of it's for entertainment. Sometimes you got these mini game compilations, like you're all for fun and that's fine. But I do appreciate the games out there that do tap into these, you know, the corners of your brain where, you know, you really think about, you know, love and loss and how that affects you and like all these deeper emotions that you probably normally don't want to, you know, go there. But I think, I think it's important. I think it's great that people are kind of testing those waters.
0: So, games do create emotional responses, just by mistake, all games will, but although all games invoke some kind of response, do any creators create games only to create a response? Sure, some might choose to scare or enlighten, entertain via craft story, but what about just capturing the feeling associated with an emotion? or more importantly simply to craft an emotional response alone.
3: I've begun my
1: voyage in a paper boat without a bottom. I will fly to the moon in it. I've been folded along a crease in time, a weakness in the sheet of life. Now you've settled on the opposite side of the paper to me. I can see your traces in the ink that soaks through the fibre, the pulped vegetation. When we become waterlogged and the cage disintegrates, we will intermingle. When this paper aeroplane leaves the cliff edge and casts parallel vapour trails in the dark, we will come together.
0: Dear Esther, it was an astounding experience that through frighteningly impressive writing, pacing and narration told of one man's multi-layered responses to a devastating loss, an abstract dreamscape that was crafted to reflect a broken reality. Many would argue that this isn't truly a game and while it's sure to have some emotional responses it does not feel built with crafting a response as its intent. It clearly has emotion as its subject matter, games used as tools to tell a feeling as well as a tale. The other notable title would be Amnesia the Dark Descent, a game that could be argued that does the truest job of crafting an experience that's meant to do just one thing. Make us feel a feeling or collection of feelings, terror, paranoia and discomfort. It's almost the polar opposite of Dear Esther, but also its spiritual twin, using the same tools and tricks to tap into emotional response, but with only the response as a goal. What it does, it does more effectively than any other game that has come before. Make you fear it. True fear. It's not a horror game, but more a simulation of fear. It and Dear Esther should be examples of what really can be done in games. Hopefully in time a wider range of feelings can and will be looked at. It's telling that both teams are now working on the follow-up to Amnesia. In film and music creative forces have spent time and effort deliberately crafting experiences to create emotions beyond simple joy or mindless entertainment. When the director behind the movie, Funny Games, crafted the film, he did so to question the audience. To shake them out of their sleeping state and give people the correct reaction to what they were seeing. He felt that viewers had become desensitized to on-screen violence. He even stated that he wanted viewers to walk out of his film. That it was the correct reaction to what they were seeing. Similarly, the directors behind a Serbian film clearly crafted it as an intended allegory, a reflection of how they felt of the aspects of their own homeland. It was crafted from the ground up once again to make the viewer feel a very specific collection of emotions and feelings. It was entirely correct to feel disgusted and upset with what you were seeing on screen. Many may not see its message through the imagery on film, but it still, even beyond the subtext that was intended, creates the correct feelings inside the viewers. Game creators, like those in film, should be willing to dare to create works that do craft feelings just for the deeper feelings sake. Otherwise, where can the medium go if it's afraid to go anywhere?
3: Uh, my name is Fran Shergold and I work at Natural Motion, which is a computer game company, and I also write and do webcomics for a gaming blog site called Ready Up. I think, uh, I think the only games really that, that maybe delve that deep, it, well, games that I've played anyway, um, mainly things that Bioware knock out. Um, like, I generally, like, got very, very, very upset and angry when, for instance, Alistair in Dragon Age decided to, you know, dump me because I was an elf and I could never be queen. That was made, that made me very angry and probably quite jealous because I wish then I'd started the game as a human. <laughs> um... I think bioware are actually very good at um, making you feel pretty bad. I mean, Mass Effect One. First thing you, one of the main missions you got to do is kill off one of your your pla- You know, your, your crew. Um, and you know, when I first played through that game, I honestly, I was there for ages. Like, who do I send to go there? Who do I go? the rescue, you know, it actually made me feel pretty, sort of, shit, I've got a decision to make. I'm going to lose, like, the two people I've had in my crew, like, for the last, I don't know, 40 hours. Um, So, I, I mean, it definitely made me feel slightly guilty that I killed off Caden because Ashley turned out to be a right annoying cow. But apart, yeah, I... I mean, I don't know if they even need to do that, though. You know, I don't think games games should be so realistic. I mean, I can understand, like Bioware, I think do it really well. But if it if it ended up going into something really traumatic and terrible, it to me it's just it would just depress me. It takes away the whole aspect of a game that should be a game. You know, mm. I think Bioware do it well. Um, they
0: don't go over the top, which, you know, is a good thing, I think. Games that do. While I may have mentioned games that are Masters of Emotions, but both as reaction and topic already, Dear Esther and Amnesia are indeed titles of note, but they are not alone. Coming from that game company, also clear masters of emotion, Journey was one of the real highlights of the last year, compelling and astounding, managing to evoke feelings of loneliness and loss and pain with conflicting feelings of elation and companionship and even religious-like inspiration. Other players and people, no matter who they were, became precious and everything else we have grown to accept as important in games became meaningless. It's arguable that the more important and more emotional work from that game company is Flower though, again that no more than a simple expression of joy itself, a letter to those lost that says it's okay to be trapped in the dark, but that life can overcome and life continues. A game simply about feeling alive. Its last moments being some of the most joyful I've ever experienced personally. Other examples are games like the Katamari series and Nobby Nobby Boy on PSN. Could be seen as nothing more than the embodiment of childlike glee. Shadow of the Colossus could be seen as nothing more than a depiction of the desperation of love. And the will of those needed of hope while also being a proponent of shame. Uh,
4: My name is Brendan Sinclair. I am the Senior News Editor at GameSpot.com. Asking if they create true emotional responses is... The phrasing is a little weird to me because mm. it suggests that there are fake or unworthy emotional responses. And I might have I might have played Final Fantasy VII and seen Aerith die and laughed mm. um, because it's ridiculous. And there are a lot of people out there who will tell you that they they cried for hours after that. And uh, that doesn't. That doesn't make their emotional response less real. Um, so I, I I think yes, they are capable of of you know evoking a, uh, an emotional response from the audience. Uh, a lot of them already do in various ways, uh, and I just look forward to a time when the creators of games will be a little less. Formulaically manipulative about it, and and maybe um, tell their stories with a little bit more uh, personal investment. I believe there are games uh, that explore the the full spectrum of emotions, but we don't we don't hear a lot about them. Um, they're the sort of you know ambitious indie game projects that, that people make and are intensely personal and part of their being that personal means that there's not a huge audience that's able to relate to exactly the feeling that they're trying to express. Um, so I, I believe that there, there are probably really good examples of all of those emotions being uh, wielded in games but I don't think that we are... Uh, Increasing awareness of them in an effective manner.
5: Uh, My name is Dan Marr, and I currently work for an independent company called Explosive Allen Productions.
0: Personal favorite moment in games.
5: Oh, yeah, I see why people (laughs) might... Personal favourite moment. Oh, my God. Um, I I think if it's in terms of just sheer anticipation and that anticipation actually being uh, rewarded, uh, probably Super Mario 64. Um... I don't know, as a game or just as when I booted it up? It's, so basically, I would had to save for my Nintendo 64. I'd sold a PlayStation, and uh, I was working part-time in a, uh, in a coffee shop, and my mom had gone into town to pick it up for me because I'd pre-ordered it, but I was at, at work, and she came in and she held the bag with the N64 while I had like three hours of work left like, showed me the N64 with Mario 64, and I was like, I couldn't wait. I was like, three hours, three hours, you know, it's just the slowest three hours of my life. And I get home, and my friend's got his as well, and he's got pilot wings, so we kind of get together, and we put it on, and uh, just that initial exploration around the garden, uh, outside the castle, and uh, just using a stick, and the just just getting to grips with the, the, the motion uh, of the character, and just, just how... Ahead of uh, ahead of anything I'd kind of played on the PlayStation at that time, it was um, yeah, just stood out. And I I think we I think we sat and played it till four or five in the morning. It was just it was just wonderful. It it it, it just represented such a such a step up from anything I'd seen or played at, at that time. And and it was just combined with that utter that utter uh, agonising weight of actually playing it and, and just being so so beautifully uh, rewarded for my patience.
0: most important game you have ever experienced
5: I wonder in a way if it was that first brush with Pac-Man that was most important to me Um, purely because that's what kick-started the whole thing Um, but in in another way even though I remember it I was still kind of barely cognizant at, at the time Um, so it may have actually been when I got the Spectrum itself and maybe I couldn't say that it was one game, maybe it was the combination of games that came with it because there was Scrabble and Horace Go Skiing um, and what was it, Spitfire 40 and and, uh, Checkered Flag and and all those games and I, I think collectively they they were most important because none of them individually are very good uh, or, or particularly memorable. But it's it's more what, what makes them important is what they represented, and and that was a completely new world for me as a child to see all these to see these games and go wow this is this is something else this is something I just I'm immediately in love with and just want to play um and the fact it was it was Spectrum and those games that came with it that 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 shaped my my love for gaming and and just and just started that started that road um yeah it's weird I've never really thought about them in that way I've never really thought them as as important um, because none of them are my favorite none of them are, are in my as you say I'm, you know I've not got a top hundred list but none of them would ever be in it um, but at the same time they they were the, they were the, they were the you know they're formative games they were, they were they were the ones that shaped shaped my passion and and uh, and you in, in a way what what got me here today
0: most important person or team working in the industry today
5: um i'm I'm gonna have to be really i'm gonna have to be really uh um predictable and and just say nintendo you know i'm not gonna say miyamoto because i think he is very important he's incredibly important but when you look at how the nintendo magic permeates across. A lot of what they do, he's not at the, the hub of all of that. There are a lot of people there who are incredibly talented, incredibly created and their, their, their content overall, even the stuff that's not that great, still has an effortless charm. They've we, I think yesterday me and my friends were at the barbecue and we we'd kind of cracked open the 3dss and um, we had street pass open. And the three of us just collectively just started humming the tune, the Street Pass tune, and and then the, and then the, um, the, the the puzzle I can't remember the name of it. But when you have to complete the puzzles, the, the picture puzzles, um, that tune instantly memorable. <laughs> Street Pass Quest instantly memorable. The Zelda theme instantly memorable. Star Fox, Metroid, Mario, da da Pikmin. You know they, they they've just they, they've they've cracked appealing characters. They've cracked wonderful music. They've cracked. You know, the the deepest and yet some of the most accessible um, play of, of of any developer, and, and and as much you know, I'm not I'm not talking about Nintendo, the business people. I'm not talking about Nintendo, um, the, the the kind of slightly cynical, you know, let's let's try out the same the same game again and see how much more money we can get from it this time, Nintendo. I'm talking about like Nintendo as. As game makers, um, who still fundamentally understand the, the the joy of gaming and understand um, all, all the components that make you know a, a truly memorable experience, you know they're not masters. They're not generally masters of, of narrative or storytelling. You know, I've I've got friends who would rather dwell on uh, you know, Lucas and those games, and those are games that I've loved myself, but I will never ever. Think of them as as, as fondly. They'll never occupy the same place uh, in my heart as as you know some of the greatest Nintendo games. And I've I've said to people, people look "Ah, oh, the Wii U is going to be a flop. The Wii U is going to be rubbish." And say, but one thing you will definitely say about the Wii U is it's guaranteed to probably have three of the best games of its generation on it, regardless. And for whatever reason, if nothing else of any importance ever comes out in the Wii U, you can guarantee at least there will be, you know, those games, and they will they will be from Nintendo and they will be you know, forever fondly remembered in the annals of history. And I don't think there's any other uh, console maker or developer that you can ever say, say that about.
0: But that's not to say we can't just, you know, just mind the shoot zombies, you know, because shooting zombies is cool too. Nothing wrong with that.